Welcome to the Son of a Ginger podcast today. Unfortunately, we were supposed to have a guest, but uh, on the spaceship ride over, we ran into a little bit of trouble with the First Order, and our guest Joe was blown out of the ship into space. Oh, oh what, what is this? What is, what is that sound? He used the force to get himself into our makeshift studio. Hey guys, how you doing? Hi, I found out this morning I actually have the ability to use the force, so I've just kind of been uh, going crazy with it. Wow. Dude, that's, I think that's my New Year's resolution. Uh, get the force and learn how to use it. Just uh, Yeah, man. See, I, I knew you were 18. Anything can happen. I knew your brother was a <laughs> Jedi, but I really didn't know that you could use the force. Listen, actually, you don't have to have a mom or a dad that's a Jedi to use the force. Did you know that? It's important. I mean, <laughs> I guess we should call you Ray. Oh, oh, there it is. Joe Ray me. <laughs> so we're awesome, talking about awesome. Ray and... Ray in the First Order, but I don't think we've told people or we are reviewing on our first podcast of 2018. We will be reviewing Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, directed by Mr. Ryan Johnson, who I thought was British. He's not. He's not British. He's, He's very, very American. Yeah. Is his name Ryan, though? Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. Yep. I'm butchering names again. But it's directed... a fun way to spell it, though, yeah. in your defense. Like, <laughs> like. Use a Y. Come on, man. Uh, but <laughs> come on, parents. Well, well, as we'll come to see, he's he's very different in the way he goes about his. Yeah, you he's think you different. think that his name would be spelled with a Y, but yeah. he's like, no, it's an I. Well, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, stars the whole gang from the last film: Daisy Ridley, John Boyega. Finally, get to see Mark Hamill, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac. The names go on and on and on and on and on and on because this is a very large cast. And it was a very large and long movie, one that clocks in at two hours and 32 minutes, plus some good old credits. So uh, if you still haven't seen the movie yet, when you go see it, I highly recommend you go to the bathroom immediately and then maybe bring like, I don't know, like a Gatorade bottle like in there. Just, I don't know. Oh, yeah, or a diaper. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I saw this movie four times, and on the third time, I definitely wore Depends. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Or uh, you can skip certain scenes. We can. There's there's definite bathroom scenes. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a ba- <laughs> I definitely knew the bathroom scenes after uh, the second viewing. Yeah, because I think I've only seen it once, and I knew exactly when the perfect time was to go. When they just, I think it was during like one of the telegraph scenes or whatever. The, telegraph. That's not the right word. When they <laughs> when when they FaceTime each other. Uh, oh, when, when they do force texting. Yeah, force texting. Um, force force time. So that's that's one thing that's in the film, but yeah, let's let's get into it. This was a very big film. Uh, I think one of the highest grossing releases of 2017, as 2017 came to a close. Um, it's already made a billion dollars. Oh wow! Something I didn't like know that. that. You know, just a casual billion. Interesting. With a b. And how did that uh, compare to the first movie? Because I know the first movie sold more faster. Is that is that correct? Or at least in the opening weekend. I, I bet you it did because you know everyone was so damn jazzed because they hadn't seen a Star Wars movie in so long, and now here we are. This is our third Star Wars movie in three years. Um, but The Force Awakens, it grossed two two billion and some change worldwide, oh, and it's op- and then it, with a budget of two forty five million, so made okay. ten times about what it was worth. Nice and. Dang. The numbers on this film, The Last Jedi, so far, are one billion. Yeah, you just wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we are. Here we are. Only like three weeks of it being released, and it's made a billion dollars. Still pretty impressive for a there. film. Yeah, pretty good. So let me ask you guys this: <clears throat> Were you as hyped for this movie as you were when The Force Awakens came out? Ooh, I I can go ahead and answer that one. Uh, I was definitely hyped for this movie just because of all the uh, the open ended questions that were left from the first one. Um, a lot of the stuff with Ray and the uh, the Supreme Leader Snoke, it kind of it kind of had me interested in it. Like, oh, what's what's going on? And I mean, I guess I'm I'm kind of a unfair demographic to ask that question because I'm I'm really like a big Star Wars nerd, so, yeah. you know, I, I could be excited for much of them, but the first one, I think a lot of people might have been excited for it, because 
it was so like it was so important to what the next two movies were going to be. So like where, where were we going to go with it? Is it going to be like an episode one or is it going to be like an episode four? So I think that kind of, and you know, I'd say that that film was definitely, like you said, definitely the jumping off point for a new and exciting story. And, uh, and we've talked about it many times and we'll say it on here. So it's on record. That was obviously a rehash a little bit, you know, the new stuff of the same thing compared to A New Hope. Uh, But The Last Jedi, I'd say very, very different film, very original film. A lot of different stuff happened. Very unconventional, I would say, yes. Um, And we we can talk about some people's being a little bit disappointed based on their expectations and some of those questions that were left unanswered that were answered in this film – I think a lot of people wanted things to happen, and then Ryan Johnson said, okay, well, this is my film. I'm going to do whatever I want and tell a new story instead of telling the story that someone wrote on Reddit like two years ago, like after Force Awakens. Exactly. Predicted everything that could happen. So let me give you an idea of the, the timeline in my mind that, has got, that got me hyped, really hyped for this movie. So like the reason I saw it four times more than uh, – any of the people, any, any, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn or anything. No, but I, I know. I, I really got hyped for this movie because I was watching interviews post Force Awakens with J.J. Abrams, and they asked him about passing the torch on to a new director, and uh, Ryan Johnson had asked J.J. to film some specific scenes on that island while he was filming the end of Force Awakens, uh, just because he wanted to see some stuff on film for when he was writing and uh jj said these things he asked me to shoot are like nothing you would ever expect and ryan johnson is a madman and what he's making is going to be something that subverts all your expectations that's literally what he said not word for word i'm i'm paraphrasing but uh so that got me hyped and then carrie fisher released her book the princess diarist where she sort of documents her affair with Harrison Ford. And she dedicated that book to Ryan Johnson. Mm. Uh, they had a very good relationship on the movie. Uh, so that got me excited. And then I found out that Lawrence Kasdan had a, uh, a treatment penned for the story for this movie. And Ryan basically approached Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, and said, Hey, Lawrence Kasdan's script is good. But if you let me write my own, I think I've got something here. And, and Lawrence Kasdan, sorry to interrupt, uh, was the person who wrote or helped write the yeah. fifth and sixth movie, correct? Uh, that... Yeah, he was. Um, okay. He's a pretty. He's the chief he writer. Plays, he plays a pretty seminal role in the story structure of your favorite Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, minus A New Hope. And uh, he helped write Force Awakens as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like leading up to this, knowing all of that, I was like, oh gosh, like what is what's going to happen in this movie? Like what is what do these people say? What are these people alluding to that is going to be this crazy subversive? Like are they going Is it really going to be that crazy? Was like my yeah, my, so my big question. Was like are they just trying to hype me up or am I really in for something that's going to be unexpected? And I I'm Pleased to say that it really did go ways that I really did not think it was going to. It was a fun and unique film watching experience. Mm-hmm. And I told I told Joe uh, the night after I saw it, I was like, the minute you see Luke on screen when he tosses that lightsaber off the cliff, you know that Ryan Johnson is going to fuck with you in this movie. Yeah. With, with that being said, is uh, that hype that you just talked about and everything from the first movie is that in all these Reddit uh, theories and all that is. Is that kind of uh, is this movie or the things that people don't like about it kind of a victim to that like hype? So like, oh, is certainly. this something to where Ryan Johnson says, okay, there's eight YouTube videos about this theory and this person doing that, so we can't go there, so we have to figure out how to do it, do it like that. I, I, and let's talk the two big things that I think uh, people were disappointed about. It was Snoke and how he was used and how little he was used, and the big raised parentage thing. Uh, obviously, everyone, we're in spoiler territory. We always are. Um, but Snoke didn't do a whole lot. Killed very quickly. 
like in the first half of the film. Can I just interrupt you with Snoke for a second and say that I thought while he may not have served like the best purpose, every like scene with him in it was so cool. It was I know yes. Mason, you were telling me that uh Ryan Johnson got a lot of his influence from like samurai movies and stuff. Yeah. And when he's in the throne room throne room and he's in that cool like gold like dress thing and he's got all his guards around, it kinda of feels like that. It feels like a samurai movie or some crazy Definitely. Snoke was a scary dude. Yeah. Like we we've talked about uh some villain problems in past shows with like big films like this. And this this villain works in that he's just a scary dude right off the bat. You can tell that he's pure evil by the way he talks. <laughs> and that beginning scene where he's uh <laughs> where he's berating Kylo Ren and he's like, Take that ridiculous thing off and uh you were bested by a girl who'd never used a lightsaber and all that thing. It's it's literally making up for the like the main two criticisms or two like sort of weird story points that I had about Force Awakens aside from the the second Death Star is the fact that Rey had never touched a lightsaber to be Kylo Ren and two Kylo Ren he's really just a wannabe Darth Vader and I think in this movie it sort of lays the groundwork for him to come into his own and Get out of it. Uh, you know he. In this movie, he does what Vader failed to do, which is overcome his master. And they show and that. become the true uh, Sith. He's not a Sith. They foreshadowed but... that, too. If you remember, as soon as he done talking with Snoke the first time, he gets in the elevator. And he's all kind of heard about the helmet. And he's saying he smashes the helmet, if you remember. Right. And it, was, it can be easily seen at the beginning of the movie as one of these famous temp- temper tantrums that uh, Kylo Ren likes to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think it was a, I think it was a huge step forward for the character of Kylo Ren in general uh, in this movie. And I think for Kylo Ren to be the character that he was, it had to be at the expense of a, of another character. In this case, I think it was Snoke. Right. Yeah. And you know, I can't honestly think of a good explanation, a backstory explanation for Snoke that wouldn't seem too too chintzy. Yeah. Or too, you know, too... Too overdone. On, yeah, too yeah. on the nose. Or, like, if they just said he was, he's Palpatine, it's like, oh, well, oh, he's Palpatine. Yeah, he's exactly. Dumb. Like, people like, really wanted him to be, like, what, Darth Plagueis? Plagueis. Plagueis that uh, Palpatine talked about before. But, you know, we're getting a new character. And here's the thing. Ryan Johnson has three more movies to direct. And he's starting them now, if y'all have seen that news story. Like, he's mm-hmm. beginning filming his first of his trilogy that... Uh, it, it was announced that they're they don't have anything to do with the episodic Skywalker story that you know that we're in the middle of, of course, right now, or at the end of, depending on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it could be a trilogy of a back backstory yeah, of Darth Plagueis. Explain I'd exactly. Watch it could it could be a buddy cop movie about Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett, for all we know. Exactly. We, we have no idea and what I it is. I think people are too quick to criticize him on that note, like. With the with the whole Ray thing, and I understand a lot of people like, oh, Obi Wan Kenobi's daughter, or granddaughter, or whatever, whatever it was. You know, they wanted her to be something cool. Uh, there's still a whole other movie because, you you know, she did have the whole scene where she's down and she's the cool snap scene in the, yeah. on the island, and the, she she does see that hole. she has to see her parents, but you don't know that if it's if it's some sort of deception or something like that. So I mean. There's still a whole other movie too, so I think yeah. a lot of people forget that sometimes, and mm-hmm. you know maybe he's just trying to throw you off the scent. And yeah, and sense. talking about the whole parentage thing. So, uh, what in the wood scene? It it reminds me a lot of the you know the in the wood scene in Dagobah with with Luke, you know, in, in Episode Five. Um, so like what like the the dark side, you know, shows him something different that might not be true. And then later, Snoke tells him, or tells her, that her parents were just junk rats. And that's an evil guy that could just be lying to her and saying, you know, whatever he wants you, to do. Kylo Ren, not Snoke. Did you Snoke say, just, say that her parents were nothing, or was it Kylo Ren? It was Kylo, Kylo Ren. Ren. Oh, messed he up. Said, uh, he said, you know it to be true, kind of like. He says, feelings, yeah, it's is, a really powerful scene. He says, uh, he says, you know who your parents are, and she, she's crying. She says they're nobody. He's like they're junk traders. They sold you for drinking money. You're nothing. You're nobody in this story, but not to me. And, and he hands out. Exactly. He puts out his hand. 
So and it's a callback. Really to great the writing first, there. It like, is because it's a callback to episode five when Darth Vader says, "Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Yeah. I'm your father." But it's it's the same. It's kind of in the same breath, but it's not. It, it goes a totally different way with it, and it makes the characters so much more interesting in that sense. So you know, this person might not, but I can care for you like that. So it's like, whoa! It's like one of the. <laughs> it's one of those moments. It's big. So hey, do you think Kylo Ren is lying? No, because he has Ray admit that they're nobodies. Like he says, you know, you know who your parents are, and then she's crying. She says they're nobody. They were nobody. Hmm. So I, I think that uh, it's pretty sure that Ray's parents don't mean anything. But that's a good thing because when I watched A New Hope as a kid, I wanted to be Luke, right? It's it's the antithesis you know, of Metachlorians. Right, yeah. It's just like we, we, <laughs> it is. We, like, it, it brings Star Wars full circle and now it's back to, yeah, any, any nobody with the right circumstances can be a hero. And it goes into Rogue One and the the whole part of this movie where Luke is training Ray and he's just like, "What is the Force? It's all around you. It's not something that's inside of you, right? Right. It's something that anyone can kind of tap into uh, to a certain extent. To a certain it's degree. not it's not good or evil. It's the it's the energy that sits between good and evil. Unless you're Princess Leia, because then you can grab the Force by the ball <laughs> and just maneuver it as you want. Yeah. So. Guys, so speaking of Princess Leia, um, I know that was one, and as we made fun of it, um, that was one weird thing of the film. Uh, tell me some things that you thought were a little off about this film. <laughs> you want to get started, Joe? So I'll start out with the Princess Leia scene. Uh, the first time I saw that, I went and I actually saw it with the, both of you, and I jokingly stood up like I was going to walk out of the theater. It was <laughs> it was that bad in my mind because it was something that like up to that point, like the first scene of the movie was so like this edgy war scene and all that and like there's like last second deaths and all this crazy stuff and like you kinda see really see like the, the plight of the rebellion, like the the plight of like the grunt soldier, right? Mm -hmm. And then they have this scene where it's kind of nice. It's like a little bit of a redemption for Kylo Ren as he kind of pulls off the trigger. But as soon as he does that, the uh, the stormtroopers come in or whatever new stormtroopers now. They come in and shoot the shoot the bridge where Princess Leia is, and the whole bridge of the ship, the, all the commanders die and fly out into space. And there's a scene, yeah. And I, I mean, I'd assume everyone listening to this podcast has seen it. I mean, uh, you did the same thing when you came into the room here. Yeah, <laughs> Mary Poppins flies up to the ship and is is okay, which is it's it's just it's too much. It's it's ridiculous looking the way the way it happens, and the explanation behind it isn't in the in the original movies. Leia has like a telekinetic. Uh, um, tie with Luke and you can kind of see that like through the force almost um, but telepathic not telekinetic, I don't yeah, know. telepathic. <laughs> but either way you know there's never anything pointing to where Leia is this strong except later in the movie you kind of see Luke awaken her where he yeah. kind of does that where she's in the coma so my thing was I actually I actually heard it on sports radio I didn't think I would ever I would ever hear it the only explanation for me for that scene the guy said you know anyone else Someone else could have done it that was not Leia. So Kylo Ren, maybe there's something in the next movie that explains him kind of pulling her up as he didn't press the button, maybe to try and save her. Or, or so, it's it's a bit far fetched, but in my yeah. mind, like that is, I mean, it's inexcusable. I think they have to find a way in the next movie to explain and that. Say that Kylo Ren maybe saved his mama. Yeah. yeah or, see, or Luke or someone. Yeah. I, don't... I think the. Um... The Canto Bite story, the storyline with Finn and Rose, I sort of felt like Ryan Johnson didn't know what to do with those characters with with Finn. He had an idea of what what he wanted to do with Ray and Kylo, and then he said, "Where does Finn fit in? Oh, we'll put him on his own story." And uh, I I didn't mind the story itself, but that's just what it like. Every time every time that kid that part came on, I felt like the pacing dropped a lot. And you were just sort of waiting for the race story to pick back up. The pacing was my my biggest problem with the whole second act of the movie, and with the characters that, and as we talk about the Mary Poppins scene, 
the one scene that I didn't like more than the Mary Poppins scene was the ending of the Canto Bite scene. When they first walked into the casino, I thought that was amazing, like mm-hmm. uh, visual, like, very pretty. When yeah. they run on the horses, is what you're talking about. So when they're running on the when they're running on the horses at the end, and they get off, and like they're they're off on the corner, they're about to get caught by the police or whatever. And uh, the character who's who's the character that's with Finn the whole time, Rose, Rose, who I think was the worst character since Jar Jar Binks. Says, says, hot take. It's, it's a hot take, but she says, well, at least, like, it's all worth it because we freed these, like, beautiful beasts and stuff. And I'm like, okay, you've no, got, no, you've no. got the whole, like, your sister died in this, this, like, you just had this big spiel to Finn about how you do anything for the rebellion and it came off and you got sent to this planet and you're just fine with going out because these animals are, are safe, which is, I mean, I can see it, but like, Come on, like is that is that really like that is it stupid and I, I don't know maybe that's just Disney but like that was that could be it was unnecessary it was Disney unnecessary choice. in a Star Wars movie I like you know good for the animals I'm not saying bad for the animals mm-hmm. but like come on I'd say two <laughs> things with I guess both of y- y'all's qualms uh, with the the Mary Poppins thing I I almost think they had like they had to do that maybe based on when Carrie Fisher uh, died. Well, okay, so after she died, they announced, I'm pretty sure they announced, uh, don't quote me on this, but I, for some reason I vivid, vividly remember reading this, they announced that they were not going to remove any of Carrie Fisher's scenes. So what I, what I wondered what happened there was that maybe she maybe still had a few scenes to film. Uh, oh, no, she was done filming all of her scenes. Oh, she was done principal photography. Well, yeah. then never mind. Because I was... I was suggesting that maybe you know they made that work and then they made her come like they had that happen and then they made her come back and then the, you know they wake her up later with luke to like work around that she was that she couldn't film you know that where she's in the second part of the film because of that but never mind uh so forget what i just said uh just wanted to say it yeah. um in that case <laughs> the, the other thing uh at canto bite the, the towards the end it was kind of like oh wow we saved the horses and all the all the the peasant children are happy hooray that i agree a little lame and like in the grand scope of star wars they're saving the world but up to it you know when they're trying to find the, the code breaker and everything else i thought that was a fun cool b story yeah and, and i mean y'all y'all have seen it i've still i've only seen it once y'all have seen it two three four times so you know what's what happens with it in that the code breaking doesn't work out and their mission's futile. But if you're watching that for the first time, you're rooting for them the whole time. Exactly. Like, Hell yeah, we're, they're going to get the code breaker. They're going to meet Justin Thoreau that's in there for like one shot yeah, and he goes Not away. now, darling. And then, and, then, and then we see good old Benicio <laughs> right. Del Toro that tries to do it, but you know, and ends think... up betraying stuff. That was a cool thing because it's a little bit of a roller coaster of expectations. Expectations are subverted. You think right. it's all going to work out and then Ryan Johnson again, nope. Because in all these Star Wars movies, right, they go down, the, even the last one before this in Episode 5, they have this, or Episode 6, rather, when they go to Endor and they've got this big plan to disable this shield generator or whatever. There's always seems to be this big scheme and it always just goes according to plan, right? Yeah. So that was something that I was okay with, like that it, it didn't happen. I, like, I thought people whose main criticism was like, oh, they went to this place and there was just no reason for it. I think, you know, there was definitely like, they definitely had a reason to go there. They, they they explained it very clearly. There was a plan. But the ending of it and just the way that they, they could have gone about like explaining that and explaining, like, oh, maybe they, they get caught and they don't have their whole... Uh. Yeah, yeah well, so here's the thing. Like, they really fucked up their plan. Like, they it didn't follow through the way they did, and they ended up putting the Rebel fleet in probably more danger than they were in before they got involved. But you have to remember, Finn just woke up from a coma, and from before then, he was just a stormtrooper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Rose is just a maintenance worker on a rebel ship. They're not heroes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're trying to be. They're they're trying to to be. They want to be so desperately. And uh, they failed. And the second act of... Every three arc structure, if I if I'm not mistaken, you're the film school guy here, Pat. But mm. um, is the one where the heroes go through the most turmoil, yeah, rising right? conflict. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> lots of lots, and so conflict happened, and then we just see that later that oh it didn't work out for them necessarily. 
But uh, and who who I guess saves the day towards the end? Looch. Good old good old Lukey saves. Yeah, uh, who was just gone for the whole film. He was gone for all of Force Awakens. Yeah, except for that nice handy scene at the end. Exactly, which I kind of want to. I kind of end on Luke because I think that's a that's a good one. But I I got a question for you guys. What did you guys think about Oscar Isaac's? I like the post story. So he's he's the direct opposite of Finn and Rose in terms of like archetype because he's the one who's always trying to be the hero and who has been so successful being the hero that he makes these arrogant decisions in pursuit of being the hero. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I kind of liked seeing that because we, we haven't really explored that sort of um, type of hero. Yeah, we, that's, that's one thing that I really praise this movie for is because it, it's, it's one of the first Star Wars movies that really, um, that really takes casualties of war into account mm-hmm. and the, uh, the ramifications of war, whether it be war profiteering or uh or, you know, this this industrial military military industrial complex of star wars and yeah um and the the how you know how wars a lot of times the outcome of a battle can come down to one person mm-hmm. and you saw that with rose's sister and that was a beautiful scene. Yeah. Where you it's all silent and it's just a John Williams score. And it also fucking side note, the John Williams score was five times better than The Force Awakens. Yeah. This one was so good. Too. But um uh that scene where Rose's sister is gonna drop the bombs and Poe's just screaming at her, like, You gotta you gotta drop these bombs, like what's going on? And uh, you know, it's it's harrowing. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Mason. This is I think the first Star Wars film that really talks about the effects of war on everyone, you know, yeah, we see we see them in the slums and Rogue One is kind of an offshoot, I guess. That well, like Rogue, Rogue One is a war film. Yeah, this is true. This the... one, and I think this one talks about war, like you know, and we see how it affects you know, like the the little the little orphan kids and everything. Exactly. Um, and I think yeah, for the first time we see if if. Poe or someone makes a bold decision if it's the wrong decision I think this is the first time we've seen him chastised for making that wrong decision or like that was way too damn gutsy throw him in the brig I'd like to see some more depth with him though with that being said I thought he was like I really enjoyed Poe like I thought he was cool I thought he was fun like like I think he's a cool character I just think when he did make these mistakes he didn't seem very um, I mean he was like oh I realized that that was a big well, with how they're making these movies now, Joe, you want to see a, a Poe Dameron origin story? Cool, we got it for you. Come twenty twenty four, you know, it, it's in exactly. the pipeline. You know, like there's so damn many movies, and I mean, in this this especially, there's so many damn characters, characters. that they're letting them do that. Like, you know, I rattle off some names. There's so many A listers, or this movie has made so many A listers, mm-hmm. uh, of based just on like brief characters, like Gwendolyn Christie, you know, best known as Brienne, Brienne of Tarth Tarth. from. Game of Thrones isn't in this movie. We see just her eye. I, in this I, film. I will say I actually kind of like how that was a big callback to Boba Fett because you know you had this cool like very marketable mm-hmm. character with these cool this cool armor and then he just kind of goes out and just like oh well yeah. he's dead. <laughs> I think that's what she ex- kind of existed for Captain Phasma, cool marketable character that will sell toys. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. like and the same thing Boba Fett sold some toys back in the exactly. back in the day. Uh, and that's but like the mystery surrounding the characters is what makes them cool. Yeah. You know they they have this badass armor. They've got this position and you know they may get fucked up in the movie but or they may do something crazy and be like the next general or something you can't yeah. really say mm-hmm. um so yeah we, we've talked some cool things uh so yeah what are what are some of the stuff that you loved from this film that really stood out from the other star wars of the other seven eight nine that exist <laughs> there's so damn many joseph the sound design, I know that's what you're uh, going to no, say. that's I, not what I was going to say. It, it was the scene where she rams the cruiser, which I didn't love the character who did it, and I think you were the one who was saying it might have been better if that was Leia's kind of 
outing. You're talking about oh, the light speed. You're the talking li- about Laura Dern as General Holdo. Holdo, pink hair. Yeah, see, I think they did <laughs> some Holdo. sort of like osmosis thing in this writing where they just sort of split a little piece of Leia's personality and made it Admiral Holdo. Yeah, and, <laughs> which uh, was it was it was interesting, but that whole scene where it's it's crushing through. I mean, in I watched it twice, and in both of the theaters, it the silence. Everyone was either gasping or in the first oh. <laughs> first one we heard a nice like oh shit oh damn, <laughs> yeah. oh, damn. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but uh other than that i mean the whole i really really liked i know you guys were talking about the force timing earlier i don't know if that was a joke i thought force those timing. were all shot really interestingly and i thought the whole sound behind them how it all kind of cut out and there would be this fuzzy thing to it mm-hmm. and there was a couple of moments throughout the film where it was like the war film like the the volume would cut out and something would be happening and it was just cool, and as well as the snapping scene. Yeah. And the, it's just something that was. Oh, dude, really that cool. was that was a cool scene. Exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah, that that, really that's cool where scene. yeah, she's in the cave, and just everything happens, and then visually too. Yeah, that was just visually was ILM flexing their muscles. They're like, here's, here's what we can do. <laughs> exactly, and and I also think the second thing I really liked was the writing. I was really surprised by it. I thought there was some lines that were. Kind of construed as like more cheesy, but I really did like the scene with Yoda, where he's yeah, he kind of right. zaps the tree down and he he gives Luke this whole whole spiel about failure and how the the victim or the not the victim the uh, the burden of the master is that they're uh, whoever they're training we are what they with. grow beyond exactly That's the true burden of a master and even better lesson failure is the greatest teacher exactly that was. The, the way Ryan Johnson wrote Yoda was so perfect, and I turned into a nine-year-old kid watching mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back again when that scene came on for mm-hmm. the first time. I completely did not expect Yoda, and I don't know why I didn't. I'm with because you, you know right he's such a, he's such a staple of Star Wars, mm-hmm. but I and I didn't expect and like I knew we were getting Luke back, but I I don't know why I didn't expect Yoda to come back, and I was so. Pleasantly surprised when he was, came on. I was kidding. They had the perfect <laughs> introduction scene where Luke's walking up the hill and the camera pans over and you see the little green ears. You see the back of his head and you're like, <laughs> it's Yoda. Yoda! And the puppet Yoda, too. I looked over no, at you. I was I looked, cheesing like a I little over, kid. Like, I, I looked over ears. at Joe when we, saw, when we saw the scene because I knew that he was going to go nuts when... Uh, when he was on screen and Baylor, you like grabbed my shoulders. You like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> yes. and then Joe's like, <laughs> Joe, his, okay, this is an audio medium. So I'll just explain it. Joe's eyes got twice as wide as they initially yeah. were. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, just to remind our listeners, I don't know if we introduced him yet. Uh, we are joined by Joseph Trimmer as our, as our first guest. 35 yes. minutes in there. 35 minutes. <laughs> we'll add something earlier, but uh, he, he's a sound engineer living in Nashville and, Boy, does he know about sound? I do. I do. On, not honestly. about not about the snapping or anything like that. Hopefully, one day. One one of these <laughs> days. Um, but this this a lot of cool stuff happened in this movie, and it's like it's just ha- so hard to unbox because it's such a damn long. Movie. Exactly. Oh yeah, it, like it it does really feel like watching a short season of a TV show. Yeah. Because there's so many. There's three different plots going on at the same time that all intertwine. Mm-hmm. Uh. Very similar to an episode of Game of Thrones or uh, something of that ilk. Which is where I kind of, where it was the first time, I, I don't think I've told you guys this, but I was, there was several times during the movie where I was like, I know it's going to happen already, like this is a Star Wars movie, like let's pick it up. A yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it turned around and the third act saved it for me, but there was definitely a dead period, but I didn't hear uh, what you two said, your favorite parts of the movie were. Uh, I think anything with Luke, where where mm-hmm. Luke just, where where Luke, like just stood off against Kylo Ren at the end, you know, where the rest oh, of the rebels amazing. or resistance were hanging out in the base, and then he fights him, and then Kylo wins, and then Luke's just like, oh yo, I'm back on my other planet, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. uh, peace out. They're about to leave now. Exactly. See, like, that was cool. That like I didn't expect that at all. Another the shot. Expectations where he's subverted. Like, kicks the lightsaber out. Like that's. Oh yeah, where, yeah, yeah. He does seen. that like power stance where he extends his lightsaber, and then if you notice when he runs at Luke to the to footprints, cut him, cut him in half. No, well the footprints, yeah. But uh, he flips his lightsaber upside down, so he's running with it upside down, and he runs 
towards him and sort of swings it outward that way. And it's it's so indicative of like Inuyasha and yeah. Naruto oh. and like <laughs> all of shot those. that whole last and, scene. And it, like that that's that's one of the best things about this movie is it, it is its um eastern inspiration. Uh the whole Luke on Ankh 2, which is that the Jedi the island. island. So Master Roshi, the fish. Uh, anime inspired hermit type character, yeah. where he's a, like he jumps across the the, the gorge, gorge to yeah. stab the fish, and he's carrying the fish, and he he eats, he presses on the the titty that walrus thing, <laughs> like, and, smiles. Like, People, yeah, no, in in that scene at the on crate, the first scene when when the Doors are coming down, and Leia's just standing there with the cool like hood oh, above yeah, her. She's, she's got that little thing. Yes, and... it was very yeah yeah. Was... Uh, but really, yeah, anything with Luke, but mostly that last part. I love uh, Mason yourself. What, what what did you love? Oh yeah, well, so that I, guess, I mean, was I love the anime thing. The Yoda the Yoda thing really just blew me away, and um, I loved it. It it honestly. Went took me from liking the movie to loving the movie. Um, let me think. There's definitely something else. I'd say, I mean, the big thing that I also loved, which I think will be thought of as the iconic Jedi like lightsaber duel in this film, was with oh yes, Kylo yes, Ren. that's what I was gonna say. And the the Kylo Ren and Rey tag team fight scene was friggin' great, and you know <laughs> they always have the um. It, it, in Return of the Jedi, the Emperor has those two red guards, and you're like, those guys look badass. What do they do? And then they do nothing. Yeah. Like, literally, Luke and Vader face off in front of them, and then and they do nothing. Or are, they, like, are they still there? Or maybe he said, leave us or something. Ooh, I mean, what, I, what do we do here? And but, then we have the Kill Bill then, you know, type, 99, whatever. Yeah. Ryan Johnson was a, like, you could just tell that he was... The little boy that grew up mm. watching Star Wars and had all the Star Wars toys, and uh, and he was a part of that culture. He was a part of of what makes it such a special thing to so many people. And uh, so he knew that if they're going to have red guards, we're going to have to see him fight this time. And so that was cool. And then the little kids on the on Canto Bite playing with the little action figures. And then Ryan, and then the little kid walking out and forcing the broom to himself and holding it up like a lightsaber. Who didn't hold a broom like a lightsaber when yeah, they were a kid? I All of us did. I mean, I should, like when I, when I sweep, I still do it now. Yeah. No, no, okay, perfect. I mean, when I like, go home, I'm gonna be sweeping my floor. Just, just <laughs> the way the way that he was able to tap into that part of Star Wars for so many people was, I think, a very magical thing. The Star Wars characters, like the puppet-like people on the planet, the caretakers uh-huh. on uh, what was the planet that Luke trains them on? I loved them. How oh yeah, she, she chops the uh, the chops stone the in peace. And they're just sitting there wheeling the barrow, and they're just like, oh, screw this girl!" Like <laughs> she's just been a nuisance. But um, yeah, I think. I think the movie was really good. I know we talked about um, Kylo Ren, and well, we talked more about Snoke. I guess. What do you? How do you guys feel about Kylo Ren surpassing Snoke? In that being a lot of people's problem. I like it. Movie. So, yeah, I mean, Kylo Ren is now the big villain of the, the Star Wars universe. Like, I mean, Hux mm-hmm. is a bit of a bit of a puss, honestly. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> which something I'll say again, which I caught the second time through. Uh, Kylo or Hux is described by Snoke to Kylo Ren. He says at the beginning of the movie, I, for, I forget how he get, presents it to him, but he's he's basically saying weakness. He's a weak guy, but weakness can be used as a sharp tool when yeah. aimed directly. So that kind of was more of an explanation of that character than me, other than him just being the butt of all the jokes. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I did like. I mean, there's so many damn things I liked about this. Uh, I liked how they made him funny. Like Hux. Then, yeah, Hux. Yeah. Like he like he was a good like comic relief and he's like a villain, you know. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. Gleason's a great actor and he plays he goes through funny and dramatic very easily. Um Yeah. So yeah. the the um the way I interpreted Kylo sort of assassinating Snoke in that awesome cut in half scene uh was 
we, you know, it, it's sort of foreshadowed by Yoda's "We are what we grow beyond," and then mm-hmm. in that first scene, uh, you know, Snoke sort of does cement the first scene that Kylo and Snoke have together. Snoke does cement uh, his demise, really, because he says, "When I found you, I I saw what all true masters dream of." Blah blah blah. And uh, so you know, he he sort of does say that he he. He openly admits his own folly in that. Yeah, exactly. Or or he he opens himself up to it. I think Kylo Ren is the first bad guy, really, without six movies to do so. That you can kind of, um, not not appreciate, but uh, sympathize sympathize with or empathize with. I think he's got the the whole scene of them showing. Luke and his perspective of how Luke, he woke up one night and Luke was sitting over him with a lightsaber. You know, that's not something, and I mean, he's a guy and he's he's seems kind of hell-bent on destroying the past in this movie, as we kind of talked about. And I think that's something we can all relate to. I think that that's a character that, you know, we've all made mistakes in our lives and, you know, he does choose to go about <laughs> doing it a little differently but you can see where he went wrong Mm -hmm. and that's something where Snoke there was none of that in the first movie you couldn't see where he was just this this essence of evil right so this this makes the whole next movie a little bit interesting as you know this is a guy he killed killed his dad but he held the trigger on his mom and he he had the chance to like kill Ray or I don't I'm not positive. We're face off with her again. He just kind of let her go. Mm-hmm. And I think that that just adds a whole depth to him that wasn't in a Star Wars character before. I mean, Darth Vader, it was something you heard of, right? Uh, there's there's light in him. I can still see it. You never saw that on screen. You yeah. just saw Darth Vader being Darth Vader until he throws the Emperor. In. So there's there's a whole... I, I don't know. You know, they could flip it on its back. I think he could still... Because they, they have shown a lot with Kylo Ren to where they could still redeem him. He yeah. could still like realize the folly of his ways and get along with everyone. Or continue going down the evil road that he's gone. And we, like, as you said, we know why he feels this way. Like, because he was betrayed by his master. Uh, and, his, and then his other master just kept undermining him. And Adam Driver just sells the character so well. Like he is, I thought. I thought he was the best actor in in the movie. I think there was some acting in the movie that was a little questionable. Holdo, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't entirely convinced. I. I don't know. Maybe it was something that set me off about her, but maybe it was the pink hair. But (laughs) I. I couldn't really take anything she was saying seriously. And Kylo Ren, he's just got. I don't know. He's a good character. With uh, and we keep going back to Holdo. With Holdo, I agree. I think the entire time I was like, "Look, it's Laura Dern on screen." Yeah. Instead of, "Oh, look, a new character." Holdo is like, "What cool. is she?" From? Seems like Laura Dern's gonna get a big paycheck. Yeah. See, there's apparently a book about Princess Leia, and Holdo is a very main character in that mm-hmm. book. And so, for some reason, I feel like there's a. Uh, there's a lack of explanation for her character in the movie because they're like, look, we explained it all in the book. Mm-hmm. She's friends with Leia, yeah, but that's just, that's just kind of yeah. yeah, they're buddies. What is she, what is Laura Dern from? Uh, honestly, Park? everything. Like, she's just a bit of a, she's been in, which Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. She's, she's an actress that has been around, yeah, since, since the 90s, 80s. Uh, I know she's dating Baron Davis right now. Oh, the basketball player. The basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Nice. Um, but yeah, she's just she's just in stuff, man. And uh, I feel bad. Well, I mean, she's like I'll, an Academy I'll, Award nominated actress. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what she's in because that Laura Laura Dern deserves respect of telling, knowing what she's been from. Uh, she's in Jurassic Park. She was in Wild, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Big Little Lies, uh, the recent season of Twin Peaks, F is for Family. Uh, she was Wait, who did she the last play in Ethel's Family? She was Ethel Kroc in The Founder. I know her character in yeah. Jurassic Park. That's about. That's the only one I can really. She's the the girl with the now. pink shirt. Yeah. Uh, she was in Enlightened. That was her show. I pink think. shirt, pink hair. Yeah. <laughs> There's She's a trend here. <laughs> and is daughter of famous actor Bruce Dern. So she's been in. Anyway, so 
there, there you go, Laura Dern. We still love you. Still love you. Uh, just get, <laughs> dye your hair back to blonde. Um, yeah, to my Star Wars. But anyway, back to Kylo Ren. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess we won't be seeing her anymore. Yeah, <laughs> she'll come back as a force ghost. Nah, yeah, why not? <laughs> <I'm thinking. laughs> um, I but I agree, Kylo Ren. I think will have an interesting story that will be ended come episode nine. So let's talk episode nine. So eight's over. We got one more announced one that will be in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be the the foreseeable end of the Skywalker saga. The Skywalker saga. That's that's a good way to describe it. Because I mean, we also have, like I said, we have the Han Solo movie. Uh, I think there's still an Obi Wan movie in the works. It's, Cannot, it's still all rumors right now, but it, the Obi Wan one. It looks to be happening. Can I interrupt you for a second and ask why it's called the Skywalker saga? If there's going to be no Skywalkers in the next movie, do you think that there's has a Skywalker in the Ren? next movie? Kylo Ren. Oh, Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I don't know. I've got some. I've got some weird. I've got some weird hypothesis about the uh, hypotheses tell, tell about the next think, movie. What, what is your big prediction? I, I think they want to confuse everyone. So I don't know. It sounds like from watching the other movies, Anakin Skywalker was supposed to bring balance to the Force, was he not? So that's what the Jedi thought he was supposed to do, and he did. He did bring balance to the Force. In the sense that he was the dark balance to it. Uh, well, no, he he did bring balance to it. He, he ultimately off. fulfilled his prophecy but, by killing the emperor. But that it wasn't ultimately because the first order came right out of the ashes. So I'm wondering if he is in somehow instilled himself in Ray, and it, that is that why is she just like something like a, a reincarnation of Anakin Skywalker I mean, come to do the, the right for- thing this time around? I mean, I, with the Force, it was at least balanced. But like that doesn't mean e- like evil was taken away like there's still all these bad guys around doesn't mean the force is balanced doesn't mean that good the good and evil will be balanced as yeah, well. well so this is um in the force awakens there was all that thing the whole thing there has been an awakening have you felt it that that whole thing where it was um you know the dark was rising and the light to meet it sort of thing so the force awoke inside Ray because there's this new dark. Power. It was a need. It's it was, something it that's just seen there as a need. To be balanced. That makes sense. So the force isn't something that goes yeah. through bloodlines, but rather comes so in times of need. The death of the emperor was sort of a clean slating of that. Okay. Do you see? Okay. I do see. Uh, well, I think that about wraps it up over here. Any, right. any final words? Uh, why don't we do ten scores? Score it out of ten. Should we do? Should we rank it on our grand, like list rank of Star Wars, movies, Star Wars movies, or should or, we do the ten score? Uh, I would say for me, it was definitely the technically best Star. Like it was the coolest looking, sounding, everything Star Wars film. Uh, yo, I'm gonna call it my favorite. Like, uh, like makes it a little bit easier on me. Like, it was a cool movie. Man. I I really enjoyed it myself. It's certainly my favorite out of the three that have come out since. Lucasfilm or Disney purchased Lucasfilm. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's the one that took the most risks that uh, paid off in the end. Uh, it's the one that had the perfect balance of new story, new ideas mixed with uh, old characters and old locales. And, uh, you know, like Force Awakens relied so heavily on nostalgia. And this one had the perfect balance for me. Yeah, the storytelling was definitely something like that rem- was more reminiscent of Episode Five or Six. You could definitely tell mm-hmm. Kazan had his hands in it. Um, or uh, did he actually? Wasn't there something? There was a co-writer on the movie, but he wasn't credited in that. Like the like credits. That, but that the didn't actually movie. didn't Ryan Johnson write the movie? Yeah, Ryan he Johnson wrote the whole movie. So, credited as a writer. You could tell did Kazan he, had it his just hands him, or did he have a co-writer? It was Ryan Johnson and Ryan Johnson and then based on characters created by George Lucas. Okay, so it was part, it was completely him. Man. <laughs> so there goes that. Either way, a great story. I mean, you know, he definitely drew from things, even if he didn't directly, he definitely drew from things that Kasdan had uh, come up with in the first two movies and kind of went beyond that. So I think it was... It was definitely one of the more interesting plots of a story Star Wars movie. Uh, that being said, there was a couple of things in it that were 
maybe I'll get over one day, but Mary Poppins and Save the Animals. Every Star Wars gone. film is imperfect. Yes. N- n- none of them are the, like, none are, you know, necessarily the greatest film of all time, but none, none are also like awful. Like, even The Phantom Menace is like a good movie. It's yeah. not like, it's not like there's a cool, terrible There's cool terrible parts movie. to it. Yeah. You know, exactly. I, I'd have to say it's probably my number three Star Wars movie of all time. What's behind, number one? I'm I'm a Last Jedi guy, but you okay. Return of the Jedi. Look, I'm talking Last Jedi. We're the Return of the Jedi okay. is definitely my number one, and then uh, Empire. Number five is Empire, or number two is Empire. I think so. I used to be a Return of the Jedi guy, uh, and then you know I sort of became this like film buff, semi film buff sort of person and sort of started to appreciate Empire a lot more for its uh importance to filmmaking in general. Really and poetic how kind to, of movie, uh, really. How to how to perfectly expand on what's been introduced in a uh in your predecessor. If that makes any sense, yeah, yeah, and, sequel. Um, I think that this movie did that in a different way, and sometimes to its detriment. But most of the time, it was very satisfying, and I loved the movie. Hell yeah! Yeah. Well, let's end it at that. Uh, this has been another episode of Son of a Ginger. Thank you to our very first ever guest, Joe Chimura. Thank you. Bringing in twenty eighteen, right? Thank Ooh. you guys for having me on. If you uh, would like to listen to past episodes, past ones currently are on SoundCloud, along with our uh, one is also, I think, on iTunes. We're spread apart, and hopefully come 2018, we'll be on one nice platform for all of you lovely listeners. We'll get them up there soon. Anyway, we'll be good. Happy New Year, everyone. And we will be here. Can't wait to talk about more entertainment with you guys this 2018. Bing bong.